Hey everyone, it's Brian Beauchet with the Creative BTS Podcast. Today I'm excited to interview Alicia Johnston, Senior Manager of Content and Communications at Sprout Social. Sprout Social is a leading social media management platform for businesses and one that I've actually personally loved using throughout my career. We're going to go behind the scenes to talk about social media marketing and how their team produces their annual Sprout Social Index, a state-of-the-industry report on social media that brings together insights from consumers and marketers. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Creative BTS Podcast. This is Brian Beauchet, and today I'm so excited to introduce Alicia Johnston, the Senior Manager of Content Communications at Sprout Social. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah. So if you want to just kick off, uh, you know, you've been at Sprout Social for what, the last five years as they've gone from pretty high growth startup to now full public company IPOing in 2019. Um, so yeah, give us a little background on your role and uh, your background. Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the senior manager of content and comms. So what that means is that I lead our content team. Um, And over my five years here, I've been in kind of a variety of content and communications roles. So um, I led PR for a while, internal communications, and content was always a piece of those. We just weren't calling it its own separate thing at the time. Um, And I got to Sprout when it was about uh, 150 people, so a lot smaller than we are now. We have over 600. Um, And in case you're not familiar, Sprout makes social media software for businesses. So we're a software company, and we help businesses of all sizes uh, with software that helps manage their social publishing, community management, reporting, analytics, and then also deeper social listening to really understand like the large-scale conversations on social. Um, and I came to that from a very different world, which was nonprofits. And, uh, that was where I started my career was doing AmeriCorps for two years, um, at a small nonprofit in Illinois. And while I did that, I got interested in food blogging, (laughs) which was like a, a, its own journey into kind of Mm -hmm. small business marketing. So SEO, social strategy, parlaying that into some freelance work for other nonprofits and small businesses, a job in nonprofit marketing. And then that was the leap to Sprout. So a lot of similarities, actually, I think from nonprofit to high growth startup. So scrappiness, being as resourceful as you can be and being creative. Um, and Sprout has really been like a great place to kind of tackle all of those things. Yeah, we talked uh, about this before we started recording. But my first job out of college, I was using Sprout Social uh, to manage our company's social media efforts. And it has expanded. That was 2013, mm-hmm. 2012. And it has grown so much since then. You've added so many different features and solutions. You've bought a company and simply measured. What has it been like, you know, starting at 150 and having the marketing team evolve from that stage all the way up through IPO and now public company? It's been incredible. I think honestly, sometimes they take it for granted. But when I started, everyone did a little bit of everything, which was really fun and really spoke to my interests. Um, mm-hmm. But as we've grown, we've kind of built out a team that's really specialized and also not just the marketing team, but the brand creative team. Um, And it's amazing now to be able to have conversations and know that like we have someone who wholly owns all of our paid social strategy and any question I have, you know, she can answer, but any project we're working on, our UX team can inform it with research. And it's just a much more, I think, mature marketing and creative organization. Um, So yeah, I mean, there have been moments where I was like, Oh, Sprout's getting so big. You know, how is it going to feel? Are we going to lose our culture? But none of that has really been true. I think it's only grown in a positive way. 
Yeah. How was the content team uh, structured within the marketing organization? Yeah. So the content team is within what we call the buzz team. So that's our content communications team. (laughs) Um, And yeah, formally content and comms, informally buzz. Buzz. Uh, And so the content team is within that org um, and there's four of us. So we have one person who's actually more focused on the communication side. So employer brand and PR and internal support. And then two, um, two content folks, one strategist and one specialist who work on creating our strategy, um, a lot of our larger projects like this index campaign, um, and a lot of our content for like more PR support and awareness and acquisition. Okay, great. And how has that evolved since you know you joined? You know, the growth of marketing teams is really interesting as you try to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? How does that trend been like? Yeah. So. Content at Sprout has had a lot of formats because we also have an amazing SEO team, which is responsible for a ton of our content. Um, And I guess to give you like a little bit of a pullback. So we have our teams, which is like the traditional marketing org chart, you know, hierarchy, but um, we also have squads. So we have four squads where everyone on that squad is from different teams and they're aligned to a common goal. So the squads are awareness and perception, new business, product marketing and customer marketing. Um, and content is kind of spread across awareness and perception and then new business. Um, and that structure has worked really well for us to grow before content. There was a separate content team that I actually wasn't on for a while that did a ton of work across all of marketing. But I think that once we implemented the squads, it really helped us make sure that the content we were producing was actually aligned always to a very specific goal and that we knew that other teams, like that the teams we we're creating it with would have the capacity to promote it and distribute it in the right way. So yeah, it's been, it's been very cool. So I've, I've heard this from other, you know, guests is having these tiger teams, these squads, mm-hmm. these, you know, so there are people that have their typical position, which they own, but then they are also part of another team. There's not people that are dedicated purely to those squads, correct? It's kind of on top of their role. Um, so the squads are kind of like a core thing. So I'm always on the awareness awareness and perception squad. And I also sit on the new business squad. Um, one of my team members is always on new business and one is on awareness and perception. So those are like all the time. Um, and that's how we plan. We plan in two week sprints with those groups, but we also have tiger teams. So for example, like when the COVID pandemic started, we quickly spun up a tiger team that was, um, I think social PR content, sales enablement, product marketing, kind of a group to like really rally and get together on what would be the most valuable, um, content, sales decks, research, et cetera, that we could provide. Got it. So you have the typical hierarchy, then you have squads where you're able to uh, attack specific solutions or, mm-hmm. or specific over, you know, longer term focuses of the business. Yeah. And then when specific things come up, recent news events, you can spin up the tiger teams to attack those as a more, uh, I guess, time bound mm-hmm. uh, you know, team. Yes, exactly. I, that is so, it's amazing to me that, uh, teams have to do that, but it makes so much sense when you actually pull everyone together to take on those different initiatives, because otherwise it seems like everyone's just in different silos. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I think that we've taken a lot of that model, like from the engineering and product organization. Um, yeah. and it's helped us like align our own work as a marketing team, but also align to how other departments and within the business work. And do you pull those other departments into these different squads or tiger um, team? Not Usually, but there are really close connections depending on the squad. So obviously product marketing is hand in hand with product as well as sales enablement. Um, The tiger teams are more where like marketing and sales would come together. 
um, sales and solutions engineering to understand kind of like what are customers saying, what do customers need, how can marketing support that, how can we share, you know, things you might not be doing with our product that you could that would help you. Um, so that's kind of like how they come together. Great. And just take a step back a little bit more now. What, you know, Sprout Social, social media management, it's grown a lot since I first started using it and continue to. Um, so what is really the mission or the brand or what are you really trying to communicate to the outside world about Sprout Social? Yeah. So I think at its core, we want to create social business software for organizations of all sizes that can help them become better marketers and create better connections with their customers. So, um, you know, we're not just here to serve one segment of the industry. We have customers from, you know, agencies to solo entrepreneurs or um, mom and pop shops all the way up to like global enterprises that are working across continents. So the idea is that Sprout um, should be something that is like so easy to use and easy to implement that you can implement it no matter what your business looks like and get extremely valuable insights, efficiencies and all that stuff um, to help improve your team and your work. And wh- how does the content strategy fit within that? You know, how do you view content to actually go after that mission and, and brand? Yeah, I mean, I think content is one of our greatest tools to do that. Obviously, I'm biased. But <laughs> Just a little bit. That's all right. <laughs> um, but I would say, like, when we think about content, if we want to be helping marketers create real connection, how can they do that through social? And how can, like, what unique tools do we have to help them do that? So I think our tools are like the research we have, our um, you know customer data and what we hear from our customers, the case studies that we learn about and create with our customers. And those are all ways that we can help other brands kind of see themselves and see opportunities in what's been successful on social. So our content is really designed to kind of showcase best practices, you know, best best in class brands and some of like the best creativity that we see in our industry. Yeah. And what attracted me, you know, to make me excited for this chat is the uh, Sprout Social Index, um, you know, which is kind of the leading report that your that your team puts out every year. Um, what are some other, uh, you know, uh, examples of different types of content that you put out throughout the year, how you feature your different customers or use cases? Yeah. So um, we do a lot of case studies throughout the year. And one that I was really, um, this is like me geeking out about social, but one that I was really excited about was Indiana University and hearing about how their team has used social to kind of help centralize different departments and they've used Sprout to bring them together. Um, but they're doing they're doing like everything that we would recommend in terms of best yeah. practices in the industry. So using social to make a business case for more staff, like they got video interns because they were able to show the um, efficacy of their social video. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think case studies are a good one. We use data both from our um, like listening tool and just industry data, like consumer surveys and things like that to shape a lot of our content. So we've worked on a couple of things recently that haven't published yet, but they're fueled by listening data around yeah. you know trends we're seeing right now. And um, you'll see that I think throughout our blog is kind of like best times to post how COVID has changed social media engagement um, and, you know, really trying to help people stay at the forefront of what's going on. Yeah, your technology makes it so not easy because it's never easy to pull that data, but your specialty is literally pulling that data for customers and you get to use that yourselves to create compelling content that really only Sprout Social can pull or, you know, you're one of the few companies in the world that can actually give that to different customers. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's nice to have something like that where we're like, what is the unique angle on this story? Like, wh- how can we make it interesting to marketers? And what can we add to the conversation? So we're not just piling on a conversation that's already valuable and helpful. We are, you know, contributing in a meaningful way. And you have so, what, 23,000 customers, over 23,000? I think I it's mean, more than 20,000. 
at so many data points and so many customers we can pull from. You know, at, when we were at Slope at a startup, it's like, okay, cool, we have a hundred customers. What are the unique insights that we can pull from it? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's it's amazing to have that type of, uh, you know, that pool of customers and unique insights you can pull from. Yes, and it's so helpful too because, you know, I think our team is amazing, but we can't think of everything, and our customers bring such great, like smart and strategic ideas. Um, and when we can learn about those from our customer success team and our sales team, it's it's so valuable for our content. Yeah. Well, I, I talked to Andrew Grenacher uh, from Tableau, and they from and they had a community dashboard. So they mm-hmm. spun up this amazing campaign around the COVID nineteen dashboard that other teams can use and template. And that came from the community. Someone in their community created that dashboard, and uh, they said, "Like, whoa, this is really successful. People are." latching onto this, how do we make this something that everyone can take advantage of? So yes, I think the best source of content can often be your own customers, which mm-hmm. is amazing when you actually have them. It's harder mm-hmm. to start up to actually get them. In yeah, the it just takes a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so to dive into the index a little bit more, give me a quick pitch on the Sprout Social Index because you tweet about it every year. You've mm-hmm. joked uh, to yourself about you all want to hear more about the index. Um, <laughs> but yeah, give us the quick pitch on it. Yeah. So the index is kind of a state of the industry report on social And we bring together insights from consumer and marketer surveys. So to really understand how people are behaving on social, how their perspective on social is evolving, and how marketers can be more successful. And we kind of bring all that data together with our own internal data, as well as kind of some best practices and our stances. And we bring that together into one whopper of a report that is our annual piece. Um, It's had a lot of forms since we started it in 2013, but now it's like a once a year event kind of that we look forward to. Yeah. It's like the Super Bowl. You got the Roman yeah. numerals on it. It's like next <laughs> B1. Like, I mean, you said go. it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it start? You know, we, it sounded like 2013, so before you started. Mm-hmm. But um, what really prompted the annual report? I've seen, you know, don't call it a white paper. I think people hate white papers, webinars, you know, the boring B2B term. So I love mm-hmm. the index and the branding that way. But what really started and what has kept it going for, you know, the last seven years? Yeah. So in 2013, it was actually my manager who started it, who's currently our VP of content and comms. Um, and it was meant to provide data to help both our customers and you know prospects and people in our industry better understand in particular social engagement and things like average response rates, average response times. We're always asked for industry benchmarks. So that was like a big piece of the actual index portion from the beginning. Um, and it was also like, it's always been kind of an awareness play for us. So being able to provide media with unique data, um, and having something to really stand out. And then, and originally I think it was quarterly, we had a different theme every quarter and that continued for a few years while I was at Sprout. And then in 2018, we made it an annual report and have really, we've seen like a lot of value in having one big piece that we can kind of break off and continue as a campaign through the whole year. Yeah. So I, I wanted to dive into that because you have an amazing section on all the indexes, but it seems like you've structured the other content pieces as the insights or kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, you know, the hub and spoke model a little bit where you build off it. Talk a little bit about how you do break this apart for the rest of the year and why you only have one report, but you can do so much content from it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the beauty in having one report is kind of making sure that everyone is aligned to the same goal. So the top goal of the index is to, you know, like it's thought leadership, but it's also to drive new leads for the business. Um, But from there, each of our squads has something different that they'd like to do with the report. And so we don't want to get in the way of that. We just want to enable it with that core piece of content. Um, And it's, you know, I think it's become more and more apparent to us over the years that 
if we're going to put all this time and all this effort into something, we have to be able to get value out of it through the entire year. Um, so we really like everything from, you know, social, social content and social campaigns. We did a video series built off it last year called Always On, which was, um, I thought was kind of cool because each episode was based on a top challenge that we heard about from social media managers in the index. Um, on the customer side, you know, we've worked with sales enablement to create decks that um, reps can use and they can kind of learn about the data to speak to customer customers about it. Um, so yeah, so it's really creating all of those assets is a really important part of why we do this. Um, so our team kind of drives the report, but we have so many efforts going on around it. Yeah. I mean, selfishly, when I was reading through it, I was like, oh, I could, I could turn this into like a thousand different tweets. There's so <laughs> many data points. There's so many insights from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you actually, I, what I'm so impressed with it is, is it walks the line between being very accessible, you know, in the design and how you present the information. But there's so, you know, you mentioned you do a lot of things based on data. There's so much good data in there and so much assessment. Um, that, you know, I, I'm really glad that you're able to repurpose that into everything else. And I think you're right when you have all of these different teams instead of, okay, this is your quarter and your turn. And then this quarter we'll do it. And it's your turn centralizing everything and then being able to break it up. Um, seems like a good way to kind of bring all the key stakeholders together as well. Yeah. And it's, it's been an evolution too, because when we started, it was like, it was more of a PR, um, piece and the goal was to get more industry coverage and to get it out to as many people as possible, which you know is still absolutely a huge part of it. But I think that like a learning for me in my five years, which has been a lot of growth at Sprout, is that you know of course you want people bought in from the very beginning, and that's when they're going to have their most creative, interesting ideas for how they could use this content. Um, and so making sure that the whole team is on board like from the get go is so key to making sure that it's like a really valuable and creative campaign. Yeah. And so going into the team a little bit more, how many people work on this? Who works on this? What's the timeline? You know, these are massive things. Um, So give us a sense of what it takes to actually pull something like this off. Yeah. So um, the total timeline, I think we kicked this off with an email, like time to start Mm -hmm. thinking about the index in January. (laughs) So like mid to late January. Um, And that's when the content team really starts ideation. So we get together with a couple of folks from communications and creative to sort of brainstorm like what are we seeing? What's interesting? What should we dig into this year? Um, and that's for like the survey questions you're mm-hmm. going to ask? So yeah. try to find the different trends or, or places you want to target? Okay, got yep. it. And then there are some things that are like kind of evergreen that we want to look at every year, but this is where we can really dig into like, you know, are people using TikTok as much as people would like them to? <laughs> oh, they're not. Spoiler <laughs> alert. I, Facebook still dominates. I wanted some more TikTok in there. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I think like there are questions like that that are at the forefront of every marketer's mind and social. So it's really important that we like capture those and make sure they're a part of shaping the data. So that's kind of how it starts is with the content team. And our content strategist really leads the development of those surveys and kind of pulling out the key themes from the data developing the story of the report. And then once we get <clears throat> once we get a little bit farther on, our creative team takes over on planning the visual identity. Um, and that's, you know, they kind of create a visual identity for the report, but also for the entire campaign. And so when that's set, it makes it so much easier for anyone from the creative team to contribute to visual design, videos, motion graphics, et cetera. Um, but the total team is more than 30 people. So who touch it in oh. some way. So it isn't, it's you know, a report. it's a, gi- yeah. it's a gigantic campaign that you build lots of different pieces of content across, which yeah. makes sense. Exactly. And yeah, so it's everybody from, you know, the demand gen team, paid and organic social sales enablement, PR, customer marketing, like everyone's involved. 
and it, yeah, I, you know, I Googled Sprout Social Index and you're running Google ads on it. You're mm-hmm. actually like creating some demand gen around it. Um, it touches so many parts where people think, oh, it's a white paper. Um, but you know, you can, you can use this quote if you want for your team. It's the Super Bowl of reports for the, for the entire year. <laughs> I will uh, use that. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. The, the Roman numerals definitely got me. I was like, whoa, index XV1. Like <laughs> that's what you could put a trailer around that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 much bigger than people realize when you put these gigantic reports together. And mm-hmm. yeah, thirty people, what four months, five months? Yeah, about four time. months. I think we finished the report like a few weeks, like including the PDF and the landing page and everything is all set like several weeks before we actually launched to give time for all of the additional distribution assets. Um, but yeah, it's like I think a little under four months. And you create a tiger team for it or is it everyone just know this is the report? So it's just kind of part of their normal daily process. Yeah. So it's not a tiger team, but for these types of huge projects, we do, we consider them within marketing, like our top projects for the quarter, for the quarter or half of year. Um, And so everyone knows they're coming and everyone who will be involved can kind of like prioritize um, their time accordingly. And then we set up like a shared project channel in Slack. So that's where everyone can collaborate from the very beginning stages through to like launch day updates. Got it. And uh, yeah, give us a better sense of the tech stack. So you're communicating through Slack. Are you doing things through Google Docs? Are you doing SurveyMonkey? For, you know, what are the different tools you're using actually to pull this uh, project together? Yeah. So Google Suite is like where it all begins because that's kind of the writing and the ideation and where we start working with the team. And then um, for the survey, we do use SurveyMonkey and we build it wow, out. And then... both right away. Sorry? We did. I nailed both of those right yep. away. Didn't, didn't even know. <laughs> I mean, they're the big guy, right? So we've used other providers, but um, we found SurveyMonkey is just the easiest to work with. Um, and then we work with a like a panel company to do actually fielding the research. Um, and they're called Lucid. So I think mm-hmm. they're in San Francisco as well. Um, and then Are they the who get the actual participants for the mm-hmm. survey? Manage that whole? Okay, got yeah, it. So, so you're unbiased. Yes. And they're wonderful to work with. Um, we give them kind of parameters like, we're looking for marketers who have social as part of their jobs and like any criteria around those things. And then they help kind of set up the right people to, um, to respond and give us their thoughts. Um, and then from there, let's see. So we build out our timeline and smart sheet. So that's kind Amazing. of where we get started. Yes. <laughs> it's beautiful. Honestly, like I remember back in the olden days when we used to make Gantt charts in, um, in spreadsheets, like just a regular spreadsheet. And it was so painful. So, um, so we use, we use Smartsheet to start planning everything out and to really break out like every deliverable, see any gaps or overlaps or dependencies. Um, and then once those are pretty set and everyone feels pretty confident in that timeline, that's when we move into Jira and kind of break out the individual deliverables. Um, and then from there, we use tools like Envision and Frame for design and video reviews. We use our, our Slack channel, and then we just use you know meetings, especially for larger feedback where we really want to give um, live input on a concept. So when you're going through these meetings, do you have kind of weekly standups, daily standups? You run. You said you mentioned you run in sprints. Do you do that for this project as well? Yeah. As so like this this account? just fits. Yeah, it fits into our marketing sprints. So um, it's kind of it's managed like any other day to day work. It's just that we know there's kind of this campaign architecture behind it. Got it. Okay. Um, and then uh, what different stakeholders do you bring in at different points in that process? So are VPs, you know, executives coming in at certain checkpoints? How do you make sure that, you know, they're bought in from the start and you're not just going into a black box for three months and like, hey, here it is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think honestly, because we've done the index for so long, now there is an understanding and a buy-in at like the marketing leadership level that yes, this is valuable. You know, we've seen the results and yes, we're on board for it. 
So really we're working with a lot of like people in my role, so manager, senior manager, to make sure that their teams have the bandwidth to contribute and to hear like how they'd like to shape that. Um, and then we also try to share back a lot of data. So more like once the report launches, we'll share things like, you know, more qualitative, like anecdotal stuff. So like people's tweets about how excited they are or something like that. But we'll also share like wins from conversations with the sales team. Like they'll share, for example, like a little screenshot of an email with someone saying that they loved the report. And that type of feedback, I think really like sells it for our team because it's like story feedback. It's not uh, just a data point. Um, But we do also have a giant dashboard where we look at all the data points. (laughs) Um, So I think that kind of sharing that with everyone at the leadership level and at the contributor level is a big piece of making sure that everybody's on board um, throughout the process. And before we dive into the insights themselves, you know, what is your launch plan for this? Is there like a huge launch event? Uh, How do you actually plan the rollout for this? Um, Because it's such a massive thing that happens every year. You can't, you know, maybe it's just a tweet, but what, what is your, you know, what is the launch plan for getting this out there? Yeah, it was a little different this year, given the, uh, you know, remote situation, but um, we do a lot of hype on social. So a lot of our community is familiar with the index. And so our social team uh, works with their creative team. And one of the things we actually did, which you might like, is um, a, like, we use the hashtag data dance to talk Mm -hmm. about like how enthusiastic someone is when they get really awesome data to work with. And so this year, our creative team created like a TikTok style dance tutorial, four moves, four moves to get you to that pinnacle of data. Um, So if you want to try it, we are accepting UGC submissions. (laughs) Amazing. Do you have a TikTok account for Sprout Social? I think we've reserved it, but we, we, I don't know if we've gotten too deep into creating our own original content. Mostly a lot of research. Well, if you need my dance to be your first TikTok video, I'll I'll approve that. (laughs) Okay. Amazing. I will pass that back to the team. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we, we really use social and organic specifically for like a lot of the hype around the report. And then um, this year, originally we had this live series of events called Sprout Sessions, which we also did last year, uh, which is in different cities and it's you know live presentations and workshops with our customers. And of course, we had to pivot that. So we made it a huge digital conference, which was the week following the index launch. So our like second session of the day was a deep dive into the data with, I think, three or four of our customers and with Catherine, who's the content strategist who really ran this. Um, and that was like, I think, one of our most viewed sessions and people really liked, yeah. like hearing marketers kind of talk through and react to it. So it's, it's turning kind of this digital static piece of content where it has a lot to dive into um, and making it more approachable, accessible for the audience by having discussions, letting people chip in. I love following up uh, with an event or kind of the virtual series. Um, yeah. I haven't heard that too much. Really? That surprises me because I feel like we're all kind of in that virtual event world now. Yeah, but following up on like a major report launch, I guess I just haven't seen it in some of the cases that I've seen. But that's such a good idea to actually uh, increase engagement and help people process it because you, know, you can look at the data points, but then how does it apply to you? And it helps you mm-hmm. think about things in different ways. Yeah. And I mean, full transparency, like it is meant to be a very robust report. So it's also really long. And while like, you know, some of our community just love it and they dive right in and I'm sure they do read it cover to cover. You know, I know a lot of us online are skimming. (laughs) Um, And so hearing, hearing people talk through like, what was your top takeaway? What's one thing you were surprised by? Like that can really help people pull out the most valuable things for their brand and maybe spark an interest in reading more deeply. Yeah. I love that idea. 
Um, okay, now getting into the insights themselves. So you had a few that you wanted to mention, but would love to hear kind of, you know, what is the state of social in 2020? I think you did this, you did the survey right as COVID was starting, right? So you're able to get some insights from that as well. Well, it was, it was right before it really hit the US. So I, I believe the data collection was all in February. So it's kind of interesting because it shows us yeah. like how people's views were already evolving, especially when we compare it to 2019. Um, but I think that honestly, the insights are, they're pretty on point with exactly like what we're seeing and kind of the changes we've been seeing in, in how business is operating today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see next year on how, uh, you know, even like during COVID, you can see, you know, Twitter engagement seems to be skyrocketing certain weeks, and then people get exhausted, and it goes down, and then it goes back up. TikTok <laughs> is, like, you know, re- you know, huge user growth as people get bored in quarantine. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really interesting. The timing February is like, right when it started for most people. I know we started working from mm-hmm. home at Smartsheet in, in mid-March. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've read, you know, it sounds pretty consistent. You know, it doesn't change too much. Yeah. Um, but what were some of your top takeaways from the report? Yeah. So really the top takeaways for me all kind of had the key theme of the importance of social is just growing. So for example, one of them was that 89% of people will buy from a brand they follow on social, which, you know, it's, it's not surprising. And yet, because I think social has historically been looked at as more of an awareness play, I think it's really important for marketers to have this top of mind. Um, and that was also um, substantial growth from that response last year. So we're seeing that people are more inclined to buy from the brands they follow. And I think that really speaks, especially right now, like if I'm gesturing at my window, as if you can see yeah, that I'm pointing yeah. to the outside. <laughs> um, but, you know, as we're like more physically distanced from each other, it just puts, you know, a larger onus on brands to create a really meaningful and valuable social presence that not only will attract their audience, but will also kind of keep the brand top of mind and give people something to look forward to and engage with during this period. And, and from what I saw, you know, it's not just consumer goods. That's what you typically think of. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you analyzed lots of different industries. So do you see that holding true for even, you know, B2B software mm-hmm. or financial institutions? Is that pretty consistent? Yeah. I mean, I think we didn't ask consumers specifically about like buy industry for that one, but I would say generally, like that's the direction that we've seen. Um, it's the evolution of business today. I think social plays such a core role in that because people are more connected themselves. You know, we're all walking around with a phone all the time. We're always skimming through, you know, Instagram or looking at our Twitter feed. Um, and I think that like the level of expectation for brands to be more present and to be more connected and more human has just grown. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the report is your sprout stances. So you kind of break up the report where you have the heavy data, but then you'll actually give recommendations mm-hmm. or you'll actually give kind of thought leadership pieces on how you can apply this data to your own business. And so, you know, one of the takeaways that I had was uh, if you're purchasing from brands you follow on social and that you engage with, that means that social is becoming that sales channel, that customer acquisition channel. And I think one of my favorite takeaways that you had was social needs to align with the business goals. So social can't be siloed. They can't be operating kind of with their own set of metrics that don't tie to the overall strategy of the organization. So you, you know, Sprout Social and you being the experts in this, what have you seen are good ways for those social teams to really, you know, set their goals alongside the rest of the business goals and metrics that you're going after because social does drive so much of it? Yeah, I think that social teams really need to kind of like, pull back from their own strategy for a moment and think about like, okay, what are the, what are the marketing team's goals? If they sit within marketing or if they're within operations or customer support, 
what are our goals um, operationally or in terms of our service that we provide and the customer experience. And that's like a good starting point is kind of go from social to department level and have those conversations, you know, with the person leading the social team, with their manager and kind of like up the chain to really get a better understanding um, of business goals. And once you have that understanding, I think that social, like social media managers are just sitting on this wealth of data. And it's really a question of like, for every brand, how can you best apply that? So one thing we talked about before we started recording was that one of the main reasons people will unfollow a brand is poor customer service. And social doesn't always manage that. You know, there are some teams where it's one, one social media manager handling all of marketing and, you know, content publishing, but also customer service. But in a lot of cases, those teams are split. Um, and there may or may not be like a tight tie between them. And so I think that's a really valuable example where the social media team could say, hey, you know, people will unfollow our brand if they don't get good customer service. Here's our average response time. Here's our average response rate. Here's, um, you know, like our CSAT score. And here's like three ideas for how we could improve the way that we deliver customer service on social. And that's a great way to bring those insights to a group and really get the conversation started to learn more about what they want and what social can help with in turn. Yeah. I, connecting, you're right, because I my mind immediately went to, okay, how do we get social to drive more purchases? But you give a great example in the report of Southwest Airlines where you know they're not just pushing flights all the time. They are responding to mm-hmm. uh, what tens of thousands of, of customer service tweets. You know, everyone who's like, hey, Southwest, my flight's delayed, or you know, everyone like sends those those tweets out. And they built a huge social team just almost as like a customer support team, but they're mm-hmm. just using social as the channel instead yeah. of, you know, Zendesk or something like that. Yeah. And I think that like today in particular, even travel brands, like, yeah, people might not be traveling as much as they were, but people still do need customer service from those brands, you know, to deal with the trips that may have been postponed or the things that they're, they're afraid of or worried about regarding their future travel. And so I think customer service is just like more important than ever. Yeah. Okay. Takeaway number two that you had, let's hit it. Yes. Okay. So takeaway number two was that 79% of people who reach out to a brand on social for customer service expect a response within 24 hours. Wow, um, great segue from our, from our discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a really important one because I mean, customer service is a more instantaneous expectation these days. And knowing that it has so much power to like attract and retain customers when they have had a challenging experience it's more important than ever to be delivering on that, like at the speed consumers expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, you know, for me, it, if there's negative experiences or negative reviews on Twitter, um, if I see the brand responding and engaging and listening and solving those problems, it's almost like I have a better view of that company because every company has customer support issues, but if they're actually responding and using social that way, mm-hmm. that gives me a lot more confidence to keep following them, to keep engaging with them, knowing that they're going to listen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really, like you said, it builds customer confidence. Um, and you know that if you have a problem, they're there. And to me, like that actually has made a, a difference in purchasing decisions in the past is like evaluating different providers of the same thing and then seeing that one is responsive on social and the other isn't done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, imagine if, if customers could see like the Zendesk uh, response rates or time mm-hmm. to respond. Uh, that's basically what you get to see on Twitter yeah. is how fast do they respond? What do they respond with? Are they angry back? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, or do they actually like respond in a thoughtful way? Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great insight that I saw. And then, you know, for the customer uh, success, are you seeing certain channels? Like it seems like Twitter, you know, naturally is kind of the customer complaining channel. 
um, where people will tweet at certain brands. Do you see that is pretty consistent across all the different channels? Yeah, I think that it really depends on the industry and on their target audience. So, you know, I think that folks who are more inclined to go to Facebook and to use like Facebook private messages to like run their customer service concerns are a different audience than someone who would go to Twitter. Um, and so I think for every brand, it probably varies a little bit in terms of which channel is the hottest, but it'd be hard to make like a blanket statement about one platform over the others. Cause they're all, they all really just depend by brand. Not too many customer service complaints through TikTok right now, but you gotta, <laughs> keep, gotta keep your eye on it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when they are delivered, it's going to be really creative, like the you know pointing to yes, different problems. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're right. It'll be a dance that that combats your report dance and makes fun of it. <laughs> and you're going to have to respond in some way. Um, okay, point number three. Yeah. So last but never least, ROI. That's you know, always yes. top of mind. <laughs> um, and we found that only 23% of social teams are using social data to demonstrate ROI. Um, and as I what mentioned- What does that like, mean exactly? What does that mean? What? Yeah, that's a great yeah. question. So it's kind of, how are you tracking social through the funnel? So you're not just looking at the metrics that you, you are looking at social metrics, you know, engagements, likes, comments, clicks, et cetera. But you can also kind of track that down and say, you know, is social driving leads? Is social driving visits to our website? And if so, what do those visits do? And what do those people do once they get there? Um, And kind of being able to follow social through the entire buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. Got it. And so what is the ROI then? Are they trying to get, you know, how much investment did we put into these, uh, into our social program? And then what was the, uh, you know, what was the revenue we generated from it? Or what kind of, you know, what are they trying to, to measure from those activities? Yeah, I would say like, it kind of, again, depends on the brand. It's hard to give a blanket answer. But I think like, in our industry, so like, you know, B2B software, we would be looking at something like um, website traffic, what referral channels are the most important. That's uh, kind of an indicator that just shows us like the health of that process. Um, We would look at like leads driven through social um, and things like that. I think in other industries, it probably is, you know, if you're selling consumer goods, you can look right at who's purchasing directly from this ad or things like that. Got it. So industry specific, um, kind of you go to the key metrics of the business and see how social is funneling into that. Mm-hmm. How do you measure the actual investment? Are you doing like time tracking or do you see people doing time tracking on or just overall budget for mm-hmm. a campaign? You know, what is that initial investment yeah. that you're trying to return on? That's a great question. I think that a lot of it is looking at budget for social specifically. So less at like staffing and hours on the brand side, on the agency side, I would expect that you see yeah, a lot more of much that. Much more like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I know for us, like we we don't individually track our hours, like hours spent on the index, you know, or something like that. Um, but there is like such a breadth of data you can get. So understanding like what you're putting into it, especially, you know, it's honestly just most cut and dry to be able to speak to your social budget um, in terms of like advertising budget, or if you work with an agency, maybe like your creative budget or something like that, um, and to kind of translate that into your results. Got it. Uh, so those are the three, those are some of my top three that I came out as well. The other ones that I, you know, that I latched onto were a lot of the reasons you're unfollowed is out of the social team's control. Mm-hmm. So kind of what you talked a little bit, a little bit about before is you can't be siloed because if, you know, 70% of people unfollow your account because of the product not being up to snuff or because mm-hmm. the customer service, uh, separate from your team is not up to snuff, uh, you know, that makes a big impact. Mm-hmm. So that those, those numbers really intrigued me. You, you have the, why people follow you which is entertaining, you know, it's, it provides value, which I see a lot of, but the unfollow reasons really intrigued me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then 
the channels, you know, we hear so much about TikTok and about YouTube and about, you know, these new platforms that are on the rise and how marketing teams need to adapt their strategy and take on the new TikTok campaign or the new, but Facebook still seems to be dominating. It's still Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, it's just the same players with video and images. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when do you think we're going to see that start going down or are they just, I I guess my question is uh, why are they still so dominant? Yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of runway. (laughs) I think that's a big part of it. Um, and they have these established brands of why as a person you would go to that platform, um, and what you would use it for. And I think that also like, you know, a lot of the platforms have done a great job of integrating things that make other parts of our lives more valuable to happen on that Mm -hmm. social platform. I think when it comes to things like TikTok, like this has happened so much in social, I was reflecting on, um, peach, and then there was another one like several years back that there was like a, a hot minute when every marketer was all about it. Um, and I think that it's so important to like look at those channels and say like, okay, what can I, what can I get from this for myself as a social marketer? Like I think TikTok is a lot of creative inspiration and a lot of understanding of like Gen Z in particular, but is it the right fit for your brand? Maybe not in all cases. And especially, you know, depending on how much you can measure Sometimes it's a harder sell to make a case for something that doesn't have quite as robust analytics. Um, But I think that there's still a lot of value in understanding how they work and understanding what the shift to something like, you know, these lip syncing videos or the, um, uh, how would you describe it? Like the one person creates something and then everyone is riffing and building off it. Oh yeah, the duets. Yeah. yeah. Or the the trends that they create. Yep. Exactly. And seeing those like chains of response is really valuable for social media professionals to understand. Um, And I think, I mean, that's kind of like the process that we would go through when evaluating should our brand or should your brand be on a new channel is, you know, is the audience, is the right audience there? Is this a platform where they're taking the actions that we want our audience to be taking with us? Um, And then, you know, what can we learn from it? Yeah. I think that's always the best practice that I've heard. And, you know, this report actually services the data around it is, you know, focus on the channels that matter. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can't take on a giant TikTok strategy, uh, you know, it might not be worth the time that you put in to invest Mm -hmm. in it. Um, Or you just might, you know, might not be a good fit for your brand right now. Mm -hmm. You know, is Sprout Social targeting uh, 17-year-olds who are, you know, (laughs) where school is canceled. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that, that, those, those data points are really intriguing. And again, Sprout Social Index. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, listeners, please do. It's incredible. It's designed. It looks beautiful. Design team, great job at Sprout Social. Um, you know, it's not a boring white paper that just goes through text. Um, but Alicia, I like to end these with your parting shot, or you know, kind of. You know, it could be about Sprout Social. Mm-hmm. It could be about the you know the index Super Bowl. Um, you know, what is kind of your your parting shot that you'd like to give the listeners? I would say that social is more important than ever, and if you look at it differently, there's so much you can uncover. So I would encourage you to ask questions about social, ask questions about the data your brand is seeing. No matter what your jurisdiction is as a marketer, no matter what channels you're on, social has something that you can learn from. So I would encourage you to work with your social team to really uncover what that is. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Alicia. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. 